So 21 weeks, counting today, 21 chapters of John, one picture of Jesus from each chapter. I have had lots of comments and positive ones concerning uh, this passage of Scripture, this book of the Bible, the messages that we've shared. And uh, I've meant over time, I have wanted to preach through John this manner for several years. And uh, just the time had just not been right, didn't have the peace to do it for whatever reason. And uh, I I feel like uh, this has been the time. And uh, as we've worked our way through, I feel both com- uh, uh, like, like we've completed uh, what God has called to do, and at the same time, like there's a lot still on the board that I didn't get to in the Gospel of John, but we'll ha- perhaps go back there uh, over time and uh, hit lots of other places. I probably could just choose the Gospel of John and really any book of the Bible and just stay there forever. <laughs> That's the beautiful thing about God's Word, uh, the Scriptures. So as we get to the end of the Gospel of John, Rodney mentioned next Sunday uh, we're celebrating Jesus and we'll be out in the gym for one combined service at 10 o'clock. We will, as we always do, uh, put some chairs out there if you need some cushions. Some enjoy the cushions, some need the cushions. So either way, uh, we'll have some chairs out there for you. The music is going to be, how do I say this? The music is going to be amazing. It always is. Uh, But uh, do you remember a few weeks ago, the choir did a song called uh, Jesus Brought Me Out. Does anybody remember that song? Kind of, kind of a little lively foot stomper. Uh, that's just one of, of several songs that will really lift up Jesus next Sunday. I hope you'll plan to be here at 10 o'clock out in the gym. After that, we're going to begin a new series of messages. I'm calling it Faith in the Real World. And it's another series of messages that has been impressed upon my heart for quite a while. And just not been the right time. And I feel like now is the right time to do that. Uh, Looking at the life of King David in the Old Testament. Fascinating biography. Fascinating stories. Fascinating ways in which he both is known as a man after God's own heart. And is also one of the most public sinners of all time. And uh, we're going to look at different episodes of his life. Because here's the beauty of God's word. And we especially see this in the life of David. How God takes an imperfect person and works in their life for his glory. It's not about the person. It's about the Savior. And the depth of the grace of the Savior is so often most displayed in the imperfect life of the follower of Christ. And David was an imperfect man. As am I. As are you. If you're a man. And ladies, we know. You are too. Amen. All right. Today we're in John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Each week, Jesus is. Today we're looking at Jesus is the giver of the gospel. Jesus is the giver of the gospel. So we end this series of messages asking this question, now what? We've heard all of this about Jesus. Now what do we do? It's about what to do every message, but, but now that we're concluding this great book of the Bible, we ask the question in finality for this series of messages, now what do I do? And here in the, in the 21st chapter of John, I want to pull out just a few, but five in total for today, five things that you and I are to do because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the first one, I want to invite you to stand with me 
as I share with you once again from the Gospel of John, chapter 21. And we're going to look at the first thing we are to do because of the Gospel, because of Jesus, because Jesus is the giver of the Gospel. The first thing that we are to do is to believe in Jesus. If we don't believe it, it really makes no difference what it, everything else that has been shared throughout the gospel of John. We are to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, who came into the world and, and lived and, and breathed and talked about Christ and talked about the Lord and he talked about salvation and he performed miracles and he preached sermons and he, he led by example and he ultimately called people in every chapter of the gospel of John to respond by believing in him. Believing is so important that we do. Notice in John chapter 21, uh, verse number 1, it says this, After this, after the resurrection, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples. Yet again, after the resurrection, he revealed himself before he ascended up into heaven. Verse 14, it, it says after the episode where Jesus fed them fish, and, and we're not going to get to that in, in the message this morning, but, but he, he, he called them in from fishing with another miraculous catch of fish, and he, he had some fish on the, on the fire, and he, they had a meal together. And then in, in verse 14, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. It's important that, that we are on now this side, the side we're on, we're on this side of the resurrection. And we recognize that from the very beginning after the resurrection, it is the resurrection of Jesus that confirms the gospel. If there was no gospel, we could not believe. If there were no resurrection of Jesus from the dead, there would be no gospel or good news. And if you and I refuse to believe the gospel... It does us no good whatsoever. In fact, it leaves us still in our sins. There's a pattern throughout the Gospel of John dealing with the issue of believing. And, and it is that the glory of Jesus is revealed and the faith of the people is expressed. The glory of Jesus is revealed and the response is belief on the part of of the people. Very quickly, and I've shared these verses with you several times in this series of messages. One more time for good measure. In John chapter 2, verse 11, it says, What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee, which is the turning of water into wine, was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. He revealed his glory, his disciples believed in him. Even yet today, in beautiful songs from the choir, in the reading of God's word, in the fellowship of believers, in the testifying from one person to the next, the glory of Jesus is revealed and people are called to believe. That's the pattern that we see repeated even up until today. Back in chapter 1 and verse 12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 5, 24. Jesus said, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. How does eternal life come? By believing. How does believing come? By hearing the word. And the pattern is repeated again and again and again. John chapter 20 and verse number 31. You'll see the words on the screen. I want you to read this one out loud with me. Would you do that? Here we go. But these are written 
so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so our Heavenly Father, this morning we end where we began with the Gospel of John, and that is with the importance of faith, the essential nature of believing the Gospel. In the Gospel of John at the beginning, we're foretold what Jesus is going to do and it's foretold that we would believe in him and now at the end of the gospel of John after the resurrection after the cross after the burial now we're called not only to believe but to let it impact our lives and all that we do today Lord may we believe and may we may we conduct ourselves concerning the other five actions that we read about in John chapter 21 may Jesus be glorified in all that we do and we'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, please be seated. The overwhelming message of the gospel of John is simply this one word. Believe. Believe. Every story, every sermon, every occasion, every circumstance in the gospel of John says to you and I who read, you and I who hear, you and I who are also called to share... It is that we might believe ourselves and that we might call other people to believe. What a tragedy it would be to read the Gospel of John, to study the Gospel of John, to hear all the messages about the Gospel of John, and to miss the most important thing, really the only thing that gives value, and that is to believe. It's important that we believe. That's the first action that John chapter 21 calls us to, to believe in the name of the resurrected Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice a, a second action that we're called to do in response to the resurrection. And for this one, I'm going to go back to chapter 20 just last week. There's so many places I want to pick up from, but, but in John chapter 20, verses 21 to 23, we see that we're also called to share Jesus. When we believe in Jesus, we're called to share Jesus. When we know Jesus, we're called to tell other people about Jesus. Jesus. The followers of Christ are to share the message of Christ. If you read after John, you get into the book of Acts and then Romans and Corinthians and Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, all the, all the other New Testament books. And what you see in there is the story of how the gospel radiated out from Jerusalem. If you look over into the first part of, of, of Acts, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the, kind of the, the great commission from Acts, you'll, be, uh, you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. The gospel is meant to be believed and is meant to be lived and it is meant to be shared. It is essential that we share the wonderful message of the gospel of Christ. And what we see uh, starting in the book of Acts and going forward is that now these believers who have seen the resurrected Christ are sharing their faith and they're sharing about the resurrection and they're sharing it with everybody they possibly can. They're sharing it in their homes. They're sharing it in their business. They're sharing it in their communities. And it's making an impact in culture and society. And eventually the Roman Empire becomes Christianized. Why? Because the people of Christ, the Christians, shared the gospel every way they possibly could. 
One of my favorite gospel sharing stories from the book of Acts is in Acts chapter 4. Now, Peter and John are there. Remember Peter and John, they, they, I mentioned last week, they were competing, getting to the tomb, and who got there first? And John made sure to mention that he got there first. Well, they're still together in Acts. And they, 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 the Lord performed a miracle through them. And they were called in to give an account to the, to the Jewish leaders. You'll remember last week in John 20, we talked about how after the, 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 the death of Jesus on the cross, the disciples hold themselves up in a locked room because they were afraid of the Jews. And now we see in, in Acts and in other places that they are boldly sharing the good news of the gospel of Christ that he had been raised from the dead to anybody who will listen, even if it costs him their life. And so, so Peter and John had performed this miracle. They were brought before the Jewish leaders in Acts chapter 4. And the Jewish leaders tell them this. They say, listen, we're going to let you go, but stop talking about Jesus. And Peter and John, who had been hiding in an upper room out of fear for the Jews, now speaking to the Jews publicly, face to face, say, y'all got to figure out whether or not you can talk about this or that or the other. He said, but, but we can't help it. We just can't help it. We can't help talking about the Savior. We can't help telling about the resurrection. We can't help saying that, that Jesus Christ, God's Son, we saw Him die on the cross. We saw Him buried in the ground. We saw Him raised from the dead. He is the Christ. He is the only way to salvation, and you must believe in order to be saved. He said, we can't help talk about it. I love that story. Why? Because it shows what difference Jesus makes in the heart and life of somebody who knows him and who follows him wholeheartedly. Now, there are many Christians today that do not share their faith. In fact, it's estimated that the vast majority of people who call themselves Christians do not actively share their faith in any way whatsoever. And, and when people who are Christians are asked, why don't you share your faith? Why don't you tell your family member? Why don't you tell your coworker? Why don't you tell the students that you go to school with? Why don't you tell the neighbor down the street? Why are you not inviting people to come to know Christ and telling them all that he's done for you? And, and, and the typical responses go something like this. Well, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to offend anybody. Another typical response is, is that I'm not prepared. I don't know how to share my faith. I don't know how. And a third is, I'm just not motivated to go out and to share my faith with others. All three of those reasons may be true to the person who, who accepts that, but at the same time, it's not the picture of what we see in the Scriptures. It's not the picture of what we see in John chapter 20. After the resurrection, verse 21 of John 20, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. And then he said this, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. I'm sending you out. And I'm sending you out to tell people, wherever you happen to go, tell them about me. Tell them who I am, what I've done, what their necessity is to believe the gospel, that they might be saved from their sins and delivered into eternal life. Jesus said, I'm sending you. Verse 22 of John 20, when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. John 20 and verse 22 is an awesome verse. Because when we understand it in conjunction with verse 21, here's what we understand. Jesus says, now go out and tell others about me. And just when I would read verse 21, you know what I would think to myself? 
I can't. I'm not equipped. I don't have the ability. I'm not motivated. I don't want to offend anybody. Then comes verse 22. Here's the Holy Spirit. Do you know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit indwells us as believers. Do you know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit quickens our spirit and, and gives us that desire that everybody else may know. It gives us that ability to, 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 to speak to people and to tell them the gospel. It empowers us to speak the truth of God's word and listen to what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit speaks through us into the hearts and lives of others so that as they hear, they're not just hearing our words, they're hearing from God himself through us, through the Holy Spirit. That's how it works. And let me just go ahead and tell you this, because you say, like they say, like I've said, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to be confrontational with them. But understand something. The gospel message is an offense. The message of the gospel is an offense. Why? Because the message of the gospel is this. You're a sinner. And you've sinned against a holy God. And his wrath is upon you because of your sin. Well, that offends me. Who are you to call me a sinner? That's just the message. But the good news is that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world and to all who will turn from their sin and believe in Him will have their sins forgiven and eternal life. That's the offense of the gospel. And we're called to share it. What, what's the impact of the gospel and of us sharing the gospel? Notice verse 23 there in John 20. Jesus said, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. In other words, the power of forgiveness is in the words of the gospel. As you share the gospel with others about how they can be forgiven and they believe, then they are forgiven. If we withhold, not, not, it says if you withhold forgiveness, if you withhold the message of forgiveness, then they are still in their sins. I am so thankful that somebody was not afraid of offending me with the gospel, but told me, and the Spirit spoke to me, and I became a follower of Christ. And if you're here today and you're a Christian, you know that same gratitude towards someone who shared the gospel with you. Notice in Matthew 28, it, it shares, again, the message uh, of the gospel and, and the commission that Jesus gives to share. Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Luke twenty-two forty-seven. Repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations. Now, now, let me ask you to do something. Take just a quick second now, and if you need more time later, think about this later. Make yourself a note to think about this. Who shared the message with you? Who shared the message with you? Who was it that looked past possibly offending you or even knowing that it would offend you, the message of the gospel that you're a sinner and you need a Savior and that there is a Savior who saves sinners. Who is it that shared it with you? Was it, was it a parent? Was it a Sunday school teacher? 
What is it? Was it somebody in vacation Bible school that grabbed you by the ankles and swung you around? You saw that on the video. Was it a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, an evangelist, a pastor, a missionary, somebody on TV or radio or the Internet? Who was it that shared the gospel with you? Was it somebody else I haven't mentioned? Was it all of the above? Because studies after study shows that the average person who comes to know Christ as Savior did not believe the first time they heard it, but maybe it was a pastor on Sunday and it was a Sunday school teacher on another occasion. It was a Bible school worker at some point after that. It was a friend at work. It was a family member. And at some point, it began to sink in and the Spirit began to speak and move. And that person becomes a follower of Christ now, but people throughout their life have been pouring into them prayers and the gospel and presenting them with the gospel of Christ. Who told you? Let me ask you this question. It's personal. might offend you. I'm sorry. Who have you told? With whom have you shared the gospel? There are those times we share the gospel and we don't get a response. <laughs> There are those times we share the gospel and the person with whom we share the gospel is offended by the fact that we dare to call them a sinner and tell them they need a savior. But, but that, the, the results are not our, our issue. We're not called to save. We can't. We're simply called to share. The salvation part is the work of the Holy Spirit, the truth of God's word, and the response of faith on the part of the person that hears the message. So with whom have you shared and a third question I want to ask you is this. You'll see it on the screen and you'll see it in your bulletin week in and week out lately. And that is this question. Who's your one? Who's your one? The challenge before us today and really all across our Southern Baptist Convention, all 45,000 of our churches is a focus on this question. Who's your one? Who is one person? Don't just pick out somebody and say, I'll, you'll do or you'll do or this person. Would you prayerfully consider and prayerfully ask the Lord to put somebody on your heart with whom you can share the gospel. And then you begin looking for an open door. Don't just go barge in and knock them down and you know, say, sit down, shut up, and listen. That usually doesn't work that well. But looking for open doors, opportunities, and praying to be equipped to know what to say, how to say, when to say, God, would you open the doors for me to share the gospel with this person? Who's you're one. Well, the third response that we give to the gospel, because Jesus is the giver of the gospel, is that we serve Jesus, that we serve him, that we do something for him in response to what he has done for us. We see this in chapter 21 of John, verses 15 to 17, and we see that Jesus heals the broken. That's the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus heals the broken and then uses the broken to serve him for his glory. That's the, the testimony of Peter. If you ever wonder, how can God use somebody so messed up as me? Then Peter is your hero. John chapter 21, verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John... Do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. 
He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. Verse 17. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know everything, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Three times, you remember the story, three times Peter had denied knowing Jesus in the trial before the cross. Three times now, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? But not just do you love me, but do you love me more than these? What are these? We're not told in the scripture, but let's think about Peter's life and let's think about our life. When Jesus says to us the same way that he says to Peter, he says, he says Mark, Rodney, Bo, everyone here, do you love me more than these? More than these what? Do you love me? More than you love these people. Do you love me, Jesus says, more than you love your possessions? Do you love me, Jesus says, more than you love any prominence that you have in life? Do you love me, Jesus says, more than, than the financial statement that comes uh, from your bank every month? Do, do you love me, Jesus says, more than you love your reputation among other people? Ultimately, Jesus says this. Do you love me more than life itself? Three times Peter responds, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And three times to Peter, Jesus responds, Feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. He's speaking of the believers. The sheep are the believers, the followers of Christ. You and I today, we're the sheep. And Jesus says to Peter and to anybody in, in, in spiritual leadership, he says, feed or tend or take care of, protect, mind, and take note of my lambs. Take note of those who follow after me. Jesus is saying, they're not your lambs. You know what he says? He says, feed my sheep, my sheep. We're not the shepherds, we're the under-shepherds. Jesus is the chief shepherd, we're the under-shepherds. We watch the sheep that don't belong to us, we watch the sheep that belong to him. And he calls us to tend the sheep, feed the sheep, and to, to, to increase the flock. So he calls us to serving him, that we might serve Jesus. And the greatest of testimonies that we have, that any of us have, is to demonstrate the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus by rolling up our sleeves and getting our hands and lives dirty as we minister in the name of Jesus and serve others in his name. If you're wearing one of those yellow shirts this morning, stand up for a second if you would. Just go ahead and stand up. Deborah, you too. All right? Joy, back over here. Look around these yellow shirts. These yellow shirts represent where? Judy. Who? Judy. Judy? Do you have a yellow shirt, Judy? All right, we, all right stand up anyway. We, we believe you. You've been called out by Deborah. 
these yellow shirts. Hey, thank you. Anybody else? You don't have your shirt on now, but you got one at home. Be proud of it. These are people that are willing to go be trained and to go out in times of natural disaster to cut trees, cook meals, wash clothes, tend the kids, do anything needed to clean up because of Jesus. And if you ever wonder, is, is this something I could get involved with? Rodney said your skill level has to be from zero or anything above. That works. <laughs> if you ever wonder what exactly is involved, um, I want you to go talk to Greg. Everybody but Greg, y'all go ahead. And, everybody, everybody else, sit down. Now, Greg, just raise your hand for a second. <laughs> raise your hand. This is Greg Riggs. Greg works with our Baptist on mission across our state of North Carolina. He's, I don't know exactly what he is, but they call him Big Wig Riggs. At, uh, <laughs> but Greg made me late to church this morning because he had door duty down here at the children's building. I, I came out of my prayer time with the men, and I, I chatted with Greg for just a second. He started telling me about his schedule, what's going on, what's happening with Baptist on mission, and uh, story after story just starts rolling out. If you've got an hour or two, just go get a hold of Greg Riggs. Say, Greg, tell me about what's happening with Baptist on mission. If you got less time than that, he'll make time. He'll make less time than that too. Greg, you can be seated. And and just even this afternoon at four o'clock, come to that meeting. Just find out. But listen, that's just one of many opportunities to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We had a group of people yesterday from our church, children's workers, who went to a training session over in Apex and gave up all day on a Saturday to go learn how to effectively minister to boys and girls and children. We have we have different avenues in and through Ridgecrest Baptist Church to minister and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in hundreds of different ways. And there's always hundreds of needs. They go unmet because we just can't get to everything. We just simply need more people willing to serve Jesus. And, and that's the challenge. Jesus says, do you love me more than all these other things that hold you back? And we think about our busy schedule and this and that and the other. And all those things are important. But Jesus says to us like he did Peter, do you love me more? And if you do, find your place. Find your avenue. It doesn't have to be disaster relief, although that's a great avenue. It doesn't have to be children's ministry, although that's a great avenue. It could be a hundred different things. You find what you're equipped for, and you find a way to serve Jesus. Well, there's a fourth, there's a fourth action that, that we need to take. I need about 45 more minutes. Can I take that this morning? Is that okay? And nobody said yes. <laughs> the fourth action is to follow Jesus. To follow him. Starting in verse 18, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, he's talking to Peter, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Verse 19, this Jesus said to show by what kind of death Peter was going to glorify God. Wait a minute. <laughs> There's death involved with this? Jesus says, Here's how you're going to die. You're going to stretch out your arms. Tradition says that Peter was crucified like Jesus was, but that Peter was crucified upside down because he said, you don't crucify me like my Savior. Turn me upside down. I don't know if that's true or not, but the bottom line is that, that it cost, eventually it cost Peter his life. We do know that. Verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Here's that competition with John again. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's, what, that's how John identified himself. Here's Peter, and here's, here I am. I'm the one Jesus loved. I'm the one that was sitting close to him at the table when Jesus instituted the, Lord, the Lord's Supper. And Peter, you remember, was banished to the end of the table. Just so you know that, John would have you know. When Peter saw him 
After Jesus saying to Peter, here's how you're going to die, Peter then sees John in verse 21. He says, Lord, what about this man? What about him? What about him? Okay, that's what's going to happen to me. What about John? Is it competition? Is it saying, well, I want John to die like this too? We don't know what it is. But Jesus said, verse 22, if it is my will that he, John, remain, stay alive, until I come, till I come back, what is that to you? Peter, listen. I just told you what's going to happen in your life. And if I want this to happen in his life, what is that to you? It shouldn't matter. If I want you to die tomorrow and him to live till I come back, it's no concern of yours. And Jesus said this, you follow me. He also said that in verse 19. He said to Peter, follow me. You don't worry about everybody else. You follow me, Peter. It's not about, it's not, you know, I have, a, I have a will for him. I have a will for her. I have a will for them. I have a will for them. And he says, you don't worry about what's happening in everybody else's life, Peter. You just simply follow me. Notice the progression of what Jesus said to Peter. He said, feed. And then he said, follow. And now he's saying to Peter, Focus. Don't worry about everybody else, Peter. You just worry about yourself. There's two comparisons that I would, I would think would be appropriate to ask us to avoid when we go looking around at what the Lord's will is for other people. We shouldn't do it. Lord, what, what is your will for me? I don't, it's not my concern what you're doing in his life or her life. What's your will in my life? A couple of, of comparisons we should not make. One is to compare ourselves with somebody who has a more glorious assignment than we do. Well, here I am changing dirty diapers in the nursery while she's singing in the choir. That's not right. What does Jesus have to say about that? He says, you do what I've called you to do and don't worry about her. Well, here I am rolling up my sleeves, getting disaster relief training while he's standing up in the air condition teaching Bible lessons. What about that? And Jesus says, don't worry about him. You worry about you, and you follow me. I was watching a football game. You'd be surprised by that. I was watching a football game, the national championship football game for college in January of 2018. And uh, at halftime, Alabama was trailing Georgia. I don't care about either one of those teams. I just was watching the football game. After the game, you'll see the picture on the screen there. After the game, the Christian Post Put this article out, January of 2018. After the University of Alabama's backup quarterback, Tua Tagovaiola, I hope I got that right. After Tua Tagovaiola came in after halftime and rallied the Crimson Tide, that's Alabama, to a 26-23 victory over Georgia in the college football national championship game Monday night, he deflected credit to, quote, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Excuse me, Tua Tagovaiola said during a post-game interview with ESPN. He is on nationwide TV at the cham- after the championship game for the, for the college football national championship. And he says this, Excuse me, first and foremost, I'd like to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. With him, all things are possible. That's what happened tonight. Isn't that awesome? Now, I'll be honest with you, growing up, when I was playing sports in, in high school, I envisioned myself on national TV. <laughs> and I would have said, I want to give praise and glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
In fact, I might get in shape right now. I'm just going to do that. <laughs> we should not compare ourselves or be critical of those who suddenly have a national spotlight when the Lord uses them in some phenomenal way. It's great if God uses you as a missionary. It's great if God uses you as a singer. It's great if God uses you as, as to spotlight on national TV as an athlete. It's great in any very public way that God uses you. But it's also just as great and valuable if he does not. Just as valuable. Jesus would say, don't worry about Tua Tagavaola. You worry about you. And both of you will be fine. The other extreme to watch out for is not to compare ourselves concerning someone who has a less glamorous assignment. You see, if we look at somebody who's more glamorous than us in sharing the gospel, we can become jealous. If we look at others who are, who are doing things in obscurity and we compare ourselves to them, that can lend to arrogance on our part. We shouldn't do either one of those. Somebody who might be home tending to a child or an ailing parent, somebody who is taking care of a spouse with health issues, somebody who's dealing with money issues or an issue of death in their family, or somebody who's in some desolate area of the world or somebody who's in a wheelchair because they can't walk. I want you to look at on the screen there is a picture of a very prominent lady, uh, 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 Johnny Erickson Tata. How many of you know Johnny? Know who she is, okay? At the age of 17, she broke her neck diving into a pond. She hit her head on a rock or a stump, and it broke her neck. And for over 40 years, she's been bound to a wheelchair, can't move or feel from the neck down. And she's got a ministry called Johnny and Friends, about two minutes on the radio uh, on certain stations every day. She's written books. She's learned how to write using a, uh, a pencil in her mouth, and she paints beautiful pictures putting the paintbrush in her mouth. And she's the most encouraging person you'll ever meet. In April of 2019, this month, she was having some health issues and went to the hospital. And on johnnyandfriends.org, her website, they shared a health update. And here's what it says. During her 14 days of hospitalization, Tata, that's Johnny, Johnny Erickson Tata, Johnny said her assignment, I love that word. <laughs> she said, here I am in a wheelchair, can't move anything from the neck down. And uh, all right, Lord, here I am showing up for my assignment. What do you got for me to do today? Some days it's a radio program. Some days it's write your name with your mouth. And another day is take a paintbrush in your mouth. Uh, you know, okay, you know, what's my assignment today? So she says her assignment was straight out of Acts 20, verse 24, quote, but life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me, my assignment by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about God's almighty kindness and love. If anybody had an excuse not to show up for duty, guess who it is? It's Johnny Erickson Tata. The update from her website goes on to say this. When nurses and aides, respiratory therapists and doctors ask how I'm doing, I say, Jesus gives me his peace, not as the world gives, so my heart is not troubled, I'm not afraid. And then they usually get a pep talk from Kim. This is her husband, she's married. Then they get a pep talk from Kim, from Ken, a Johnny book, and a Johnny and Friends newsletter. <laughs> you know what she's saying? She's saying, Lord, here I sit. I'm not worried about Tua Tagovailoa on national TV. I'm not bemoaning the fact that I can't get a national audience because I throw touchdown passes. But here I am. What do you want to do with me today? 
What's my assignment? For some people, the assignment is a lifetime. Johnny Erickson Tata's lifetime assignment is to sit in a wheelchair, unable to move, and to simply tell anybody about Jesus. That's her assignment. And she's embraced it. For Tua Tagovailoa, he thought, well, maybe I'm gifted to be an athlete. I'll just go be a, I'll be a football player. And all of a sudden, he's got a microphone in his face and millions of people watching who had never in their lifetime heard of Tua Tagovailoa. I just like saying his name. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this 18-year-old kid from Hawaii at Alabama who nobody's ever heard of says, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Through him, all things are possible. Well, don't worry about that man. And don't worry about that woman. Just be concerned with what God has for you right where you are. Do what you can with what you have where you are for the glory of God. You might have a lifetime assignment. You might have a career-oriented assignment by God. You might have a temporary assignment like praying for somebody in a difficult spot. You might have a momentary unexpected assignment and somebody might stick a microphone in your face and said, say something. You might have any number of different opportunities, but, but when we look at it through the lens of, of Acts 20, 24 and, and with the example of Johnny Erickson Tata, we just come to recognize, hey, we can do all things through Christ. What's my assignment today, Lord? Here I am showing up for duty. Well, lastly, John 21, verses 22 and 23, we look for Jesus. I don't know if you know this or not, but he's coming back. He's coming back. And we will give an account to him. Johnny, Erickson, and Tata will give an account from the wheelchair. Tua will give an account from the football field. You and I will give an account from our circumstances. What do we do with what we had, where we were, to the glory of of Jesus Christ. Notice verse 22, and it's repeated in verse 23. Jesus says, if it is my will that he, John, remain until I come, what has happened to you? He's basically saying, Peter, don't worry about everybody else. You worry about yourself. And he's, he's reminding us in John 21, verse 22. He said, I'm coming back. I am going to return. I'm coming back one day. So because I'm coming back, do this. Listen, believe in Jesus. Share Jesus. Serve Jesus. Follow Jesus. And look for him. If we're doing those five things, I believe we'll be in great shape. And I believe many people will come to know Christ. I was talking to my friend Bo this morning, walking in the door. Bo, you may never speak to me again after this, but Bo was talking to me coming in the door this morning. I had, I had door duty over here. And, and as Bo was coming in to go to his connect group at 8 o'clock, he says he's talking to a young man at some point, And he says to the young man, how's the Lord treating you? young man thought for a second and said, I guess he's treating me really good. Let me ask you this morning, how's the Lord treating you? How's he treating you? I love what Dave Ramsey says on the radio, better than I deserve. That's how the Lord treats me. But then Bo turned to the young man and he said this. He said, how are you treating the Lord? How are you treating him? It's a great way to conclude this message and this series of messages Believe him, share him, serve him, follow him, look for him. Don't worry about everybody else. Just be concerned with what he's doing in your life.